The EduTech guys present a conversation from our live coverage of Fetsi in Orlando, Florida on Tuesday, January 23rd, 2018. Enjoy the program. I'm Michelle Zimmerman and I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I teach at a school called Renton Prep. Um, so I have a background in learning sciences and human development and then took that research and brought it directly into the classroom. So awesome. um, one of my goals is to be able to have the kids help research and design learning instead of me just doing the research and designing it. Mm-hmm. Hey, there you go. Put those kids to work. <laughs> <laughs> what changes the way that they think about things, too, when you sure. shift from being a student to a teacher mm-hmm. and then that shift from being a teacher to a researcher when they're working with someone younger. It's not necessarily a high technical level, but the thought process of going through and observing and being able to define things and communicate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's a, that's, it is a huge change. That, that's really cool. Um, so is that what you, you just left your presentation and it was over? Yes. That. <laughs> well, I have a couple. So the one, actually the one today was uh, another speaker wasn't able to make it. So I took over the topic for design thinking, but I've done a lot of that okay. anyway. So I filled in for that one and then I'm going to do one on HoloLens tomorrow oh, with cool. some students who will come in today. Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. I'm, I'm impressed because... That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so tell us the gist of your last your last session so our, our listeners will know kind of what you talked about. Sure. So design thinking is something that um, can be ambiguous to some people or it has background in um, looking at how you approach problems and solutions. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it started out with why would we even want kids to know about design thinking or project-based learning? And looking to where we're going in the future in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years with technology progressing the way it is, there are more reports coming out saying that um, possibly up to 40% of jobs as we know them will be automated. And if that's the case, what kind of jobs will we have? What will they look like? And one of the key components is the ability to learn, unlearn, relearn, and flexibility. So the traditional paradigms of having blocked schedules or being able to know exactly where you're going in the next few steps may not be as relevant if we need to know how to adapt and change some of those processes. So design thinking can help in that way for kids to start looking at what's my end goal, how do I get there, and how do I approach that problem. So we looked at even something as simple as drawing a piece of toast. How do you go from a toast a piece of bread into a toaster and what does that process look like and if everyone in the room draws that process of making toast you'll see a lot of different designs that come out of it and it gets people to start realizing at a very basic level that sometimes you see different steps along the way that others don't see and then that process can lead you into thinking about things in a different way or realizing that there could be other additions or approaches to it before you even get into the technology component yeah sure you know, David used to teach a workshop on algorithms and uh, yeah he, he, he built peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That just made me think of where we're, where we're moving forward yeah. in, that, in that process. And uh, that's really awesome. And it puts the kids at a, a deeper level. Yes. So how quickly do you notice the kids moving to that level? I know it's, it's going to be different and segmented mm-hmm. depending on the, the population of the classroom and everything. But right. do they pick it up in this current generation, probably pick it up faster than in the past? because of the influence of the speed of information that we're actually intaking at this point. Do you I think you see a, a different change or is it pretty I would quick? think that, and I know that a lot of people talk about digital natives and assume that kids just pick things up yeah. more quickly. Yeah. But the fact is, if they're used to a certain way of thinking, like anyone, doesn't matter the mm-hmm. age, 
if you're used to having a specific set of processes in place, but then have someone all of a sudden ask you to try something new, it may not come very easily. And I've also found kids that are used to getting 90 or 100% on tests without even having to study very much on it don't necessarily adapt to thinking about things in a different way very easily because to them any struggle of thinking feels like it's a failure. Yeah. And kids who are used to struggling with things and maybe not always getting high scores on tests sometimes adapt to this much more quickly than mm. because they're used to trying different methods or trying different things. Right. Yeah. They find that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's well, and a lot of times just the, the fact that you are stopping to think about the process you're taking, you know, that alone can throw people into a complete tizzy. You know, I, I do this and, and I do it this way and I'm open to trying other ways to do it, but when you turn around and say, okay, well now I need you to draw me this process or explain this process, you go, well, I don't know, I just do it. You know, exactly. How do you, I need you to write out how you tie your shoes, for example. You know, and you're like, well, I don't know. I just tie my shoes. You know, like, <laughs> no, yeah, but how? If you had to explain, you know, and they're like, oh my gosh, I, you know, and so it really can throw people off. Um, and that and became the core of my research for my <coughs> dissertation because I wanted to see what happened in an older child when they taught a younger child something. Oh yeah. Instead of just looking at what happens to the person being mentored, there's a lot of research out there that mentoring can be effective for someone sure. or apprenticeship or internships. But what happens when someone is used to being the student and they have to shift over to being a teacher? Mm -hmm. And so that went through various different domains, everything from third graders teaching first graders and kindergartners how to swing dance and sing <coughs> concrete response to Portal 2 gaming in the classroom where they're trying to help their little buddy get through a level that's complex. And that exact thing you mentioned about talking about the process, <laughs> well, I just knew. Yeah. How did you know? <laughs> right. That brings you into a whole domain of implicit and explicit learning. Yeah. A lot of things that we do, we're not aware of why we do them, but it doesn't mean we haven't learned something. But taking it that next step to be able to communicate it in a way that someone else can understand takes a very different thought process. And that's something that is, I would think, essential for design thinking or project-based learning because you can still go through steps if someone gives you steps and not transitioning your way of thinking. Sure. Well, and it, it's so appropriate even for people who are much older than the students you're working with. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I can't tell you how many college courses I took where the professor was smart as all get out and understood the processes couldn't teach a lick yes. you know they couldn't explain I won't say they couldn't teach they couldn't explain in the way in a way that the class could understand how those processes work so we're all like I have no idea what's going on you know and, and you know yeah that was brilliant chemistry yeah. for me yeah. You know, yeah I mean really it's you know and, and I think having those skills that you're talking about and developing those from an early age yes. whatever they do later in life that's going to be part of exactly. how they're thinking we got on that conversation too, and I'm not basically a gamer, but when I was doing research in gaming, I wanted to learn everything I could about it. So I wanted to observe people playing games at first, and I trying to define the difference between a puzzle game, first-person shooter, and massive, all of those. So I thought I understood the progression with Portal 2, and I was like, okay, I've got it. And he's like, try it. And I kept failing, and I was thinking, what's going wrong? Yeah. I'm watching the process, right. I'm repeating it. <laughs> yeah. But I was missing some of those really essential conceptual underpinnings. Yeah. And I then made that transition thinking about that with physics because I had a love-hate relationship with physics. I love physics, <laughs> but I hated the tests. Yeah. And I couldn't figure out why because I thought I was good at math. I was getting good scores in math, and I thought I was good at understanding the concepts. So what was going wrong? Yeah. And it was just like in the game, a conceptual gap there that knowing the process wasn't enough. I needed to know how to extract those those pieces. Yep. So exactly. I found out that those kids, of the ones who maybe took one to two hours to try and solve the level the first time, 
compared to kids who got through immediately, I thought, okay, well, obviously quantitative data shows the amount of time that's taking them to get through. They must be the more experienced ones or the better at it. They were having a harder time later on because they intuitively knew some things that would get them through. But the ones who were really taking a long time getting through it and really frustrated had a lot more solid grasp of their conceptual underpinnings by the time they got to the more complex levels. They also were the ones who were more effective at helping their little buddy get through faster. Mm. So the ones who were really good at it, when they had their little buddy try and go through the level, they really struggled. So that matches what you were talking about. Yeah. Someone can have a lot of knowledge but not know how to take it and make it explicit for right. someone else. Yeah, that's I, I have to tie that to music. I, I was a band director for a long time and a professional musician. So the, the kids that would come through and blow you away on an electric guitar, mm -hmm. they're the ones that just picked it up naturally. Yeah. But they could not explain chord progressions. They could not teach a younger child. It was just, it came very easy to them. And then those that had to struggle and work at it became my really great players in the mm -hmm. long run that, you know, could play Sokoviev and things like that. So, yeah, it's really, it's, we see it in every, yes. every, everywhere we see it. But that's really interesting in the gaming. I'm not a gamer, David is. He's a yeah, gamer. But, so, okay, let's, let's keep jumping. Cause, uh, so let's talk um, what else you have going on here. So, uh, how to paint 3D? Yes. Cool. Tell us about it. So we have a group of students that are coming in from a couple different classes in third and fifth grade talking about different ways they've used it. The first grade class was also looking at molecules mm -hmm. and then creating molecules with kindergartners and trying to look at that kind of space. We're wanting kids to be able to see a visual spatial component instead of just flat two dimensions. And even though it's on a flat screen, it's getting them into rotational sure. and thinking about things from a different angle and perspective. Yeah. As we start with that and those 3D models on a screen, we're transitioning into virtual mixed reality so that they can move around in space. As an educator, I want to know what different industries need for incoming professionals. Yeah. And I asked some of the people who are developing for virtual and augmented mixed reality, and they say one of the challenges, a lot of their developers are used to developing for a flat screen. Ah. And they forget that they can look up or place things around, even though they know it in inherently they're used to going about that pattern so if I can start getting kids to think about things in multiple different perspectives and angles before they even get to those careers it could be helpful but at the same time also helpful with imagining things in geometry or choreographing dance yeah as you're mentioning earlier too, the combination of having them work with younger kids and having them explain gets them to the point of being able to um, not only know how to be a teacher but if they become parents someday they'll have a better chance at being able to explain without feeling like I need to go to parenting class because right. <laughs> they start getting those foundational pieces. Yeah, that is That's awesome. Really so we had a guest earlier um, with 3D Bear. I don't know if you've heard of I that. I just met him at the workshop. Juice? There. Yeah. Yes. What a neat piece. Yes. Um, the creative piece that's there, but then the coding piece in the background the, in the CAD to build yes. the actual, wow. I was I really mean, impressed. That's really taking AR to a really neat level. So we're going to look into ways that we can collaborate because there seems to be a lot of overlap with the progression. I, well, I, yeah, a lot of the stuff, it's a lot of the stuff that you're talking about that's not necessarily the technology side right. of things. I mean, to me anyway, seems to marry very well with yes. a lot of the stuff he's talking about that is on the technology side. So yeah, I mean, I think that'd be very cool. I, th I think that is a a killer collaboration in the <laughs> making. I really do. That's going to yeah, be yeah, that's going to awesome. be awesome. That's um, cool. Halo Lens. HoloLens, yes. HoloLens, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, you think of it as a halo because yeah. it seems to wrap around your head. <laughs> I started getting involved with that a couple years ago, and it's one of the few tools that I knew I wanted to work with, even though I didn't know what the plan was. Usually I have all the foundational 
pieces together first and then find the technology that matches the end goal. But this one, I knew that there would be something with it. Um, So what I'm doing right now is seeing what exists, what's possible, even if they're demos, and then pulling those things into curriculum in a meaningful way. So one example was with ninth and 10th graders and actually seventh and eighth graders too, we're looking at Shakespeare and Julius Caesar. Oh yeah. So what does that have to do with us now? And then we went to topic of artificial intelligence and machine learning and basically one of those key components is having some ethical background knowing how do you program these machines. Hmm. So if we're looking at Julius Caesar and what Shakespeare is telling us about humanity, it can be in the domain of politics or interaction. But then going beyond that to say, if you're programming for mixed reality, for virtual reality, artificial intelligence, or an intersection of all of those, some of those key human components we would need would include ethics. So we looked at it from that side of it. But then we also looked at the hollow tour with Rome. And so we were looking at ancient Greece and ancient Rome and looking at the foundation of politics and what this area would have looked like that people like Julius Caesar would have interacted with during the day and some of the political structures. I wanted to push it beyond just looking at an ed tech, but then bringing in some of the civics understanding too. Sure. And being able to have that as a base and have a common understanding of what this layout looked like and then going into the culture at the time and how that could have similarities between things that are going on now. Right. Um, so it became really impactful and then being able to use um, Kahoot and some other Quizlet things so that while one child is on HoloLens, the other ones are doing something really active at the sure. same time. Yeah, that is awesome. That's that really is cool. very cool. Well, and by tying all those different pieces and parts together and relating it to what's happening today yes. or what could be happening today, all of a sudden, you know, yeah, they're talking about, you know, ancient Greece, ancient Rome and all this. Oh, where do I go learn all this history yeah. stuff? And all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. It's now relevant to what's going and on today. Architecture wait, and wait that's what so-and-so did. Yes. I just saw that on TV. I mean, yeah, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was kind of the same thing. Exactly. So, yeah, all of a sudden they, you get those light bulbs to come on. And Seattle Shakespeare Company has place for students at matinees, and they set it in current time so oh, you can yeah. see the weather and Ides of March and all of those that look like news reports and flashes. And That's, that's cool. cool. That's very cool. I've, I've seen that done somewhere else. I can't remember. It might have been Seattle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, okay, so digital portfolios for a teacher, personal yes. brand. That's one of our big things. Uh, that's why we do this. But you, we don't get paid millions of dollars. We just do this so teachers and educators can share their stories. And expand. our, our, our big thing is expanding your narrative. You know, it's time to make it bigger. So tell us about branding and teachers and PD and all that good stuff. Originally, I thought branding was just for marketing and Uh I thought, I'm a teacher, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. But the more that I've been learning at the intersection of um, being able to volunteer some things with Microsoft and the educator program, I started to see that and then the Disney Institute for Business Excellence both had the way that you present yourself and the way that you tell the story about who you are Mm -hmm. can bring about some of the cultural changes that you want to see in your organization because it shows what you stand for and who you are. And one of the best ways to do that is by making it really explicit and being able to tell that story. Um, When you shift with technology from um, one perspective or textbook based only, um, if families aren't used to seeing technology in the classroom that way, it may be a hard shift. Mm-hmm. And by having those stories really explicit about the positive outcomes, the way that kids are developing empathy, and it's not just sitting behind a computer screen, that they're using those tools to amplify a positive voice, those stories become critical in helping parents to see the value of bringing technology into the classroom. Without documenting those and getting them out, it's harder to convey it in just words. So media sure. helps that. Mm-hmm. And 
by having the other teachers in our school help create those stories in each of those classes, you start to see a consistency across the board. It also gives the kids a chance to see a role model of someone who's using social media or digital in a positive way, and then they start modeling those and their voice can get amplified in a positive way and build that into um, digital citizenship things yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. That, that's really cool. We, we talk about branding a lot. Um, I have a, a graduated senior from, I graduated college student, a daughter, and a daughter who's a senior in high school. And we talk about branding a lot. And I, I relate it back to um, the past. The Abraham Lincoln had his name. Yes. Susan B. Anthony had her name. And our name was who we are. Hi, I'm Jeff Matlock. Mm-hmm. And you shook a hand and wow. you said who you were. And, and that's where we still are. But in the digital realm, you're right. It brings us into a, into a multi-point instead of just that singularity that we were in the past when it was in the, t- in, in the now real time and it moves it forward so i see where you're going with that and it's it's really cool i've also told the kids that if they start something like twitter or another public social media when they present at conferences or come up with projects that they've developed themselves i said there's a chance that there will be an adult at some point who says you weren't capable of doing that someone must have done that for you or you're making that up and i said if you have it time dated stamped image video photo something yes. that documents it you can say not only did i but here's the evidence to support yeah, it exactly my copy, it's my it's my somewhat copyright yes yeah in, in the old days of writing music we used to put it inside an envelope and have it uh, sealed and mail it back to ourselves that was our cheap way of copywriting something so we could say no we actually did this it was you know but that's you're exactly right mm-hmm. this is my work and that's really that's really cool. Um, well, what's so cool about it being you know today? Well, the, to me, one of the greatest things about today is that well, I guess it could also be a, it's a blessing and a curse potentially, but is that because everything can be most things can be stored digitally, yes. then you you can build upon that, and so you can actually show you can show the growth of you know if you've got a student who I'm just thinking you know if you have a student who who has very artistic tendencies and through their digital portfolio they can show the growth that they've seen they can and they can also refer back to it themselves you go oh my gosh i can't believe i used to do that you know and (laughs) here i am now you know that's what uh, my 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 daughter's in 10th grade and it's she's very artistic she didn't get that from me um but uh that's one of the things that she loves to do is is after she's done painting you know we take pictures of what she's done and we've done it forever and that's what she said you know i can't believe i used to paint this way you you were five (laughs) you know but by the same token you know some things that you see that are consistent across the board you know so you have if you have somebody who's studying you know van gogh or whatever and and you can see you know through their artwork you say oh yeah okay that's definitely van gogh it's the same thing with her i'm like i'm like emily you can definitely see this is you throughout all of this because of this little technique here or this and you know that hasn't changed in all the years you've been doing it and she's like well i never really saw that before yeah. like, no you, you you don't until you can sit there and compare it and that's one of the things i love about digital portfolios and, mm-hmm. and and having that information not just for the public at large but right. also for you to for for that for that person to be able to reflect yeah. Yeah. we started using sway as a digital portfolio yeah. for art and 
one of those things with grid pictures and looking at just the blank page with grid first and then showing the progress of each step because you would see something at the end and go, wow, that looks really dynamic. I could never do that. And then when they show those progression pieces and then there's that uh, feature that you can slide the bar across to see the original compared yeah. to the other one. And that's been really effective for them to see from one year to the next, just like you were saying, and then be able to show that to someone younger yeah. and say, look, I didn't start out in this level. It's yeah. not just inherent. Right, well, exactly. And, and and to show, yeah, you you can do this. Yes. You know, yeah. if you have, you know, you've got the grids and, and you're taking what you see and translating it into each square, yeah, you can yes. do this. Oh, that's cool. Your, your parent cool. involvement has to have gone through the roof, too, because now there's this instantaneous PR for the student and the parent and keeping it that they get to see everything. And so. it definitely makes an impact on how they perceive education and the value of Yeah, that's really pieces. cool. That's um, awesome. So you're swamped the rest of this time. So <laughs> <laughs> you have three more left. Mm -hmm. So any more today? Or is there uh, no more today. Yeah, so it's tomorrow the rest of the week. and then Friday, and then I have a couple that I'll speak on at the Microsoft booth too. That's cool. That's awesome. That's really Man. cool. Um, uh, so if folks want to get in touch with you. Uh, Twitter handle? Yes, at mrzphd. Cool. Awesome. And uh, website? Uh, I think it, well, the school website has a blog that has a continuation on it. So it's cool. www.rentonprep.org. R-E-N-T-O-N-P-R-E. Cool. -E. You've been listening to a recorded conversation from EduTech Guys live coverage of FETSI 2018. For more information about EduTech Guys, visit edutechguys.com. And thanks for listening.